Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good morning. It is Wednesday, April 5th. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Donald Trump pled not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records at his arraignment yesterday. He flew into LaGuardia on Monday, spent the night at Trump Tower. Then he went over to the courthouse. And then at uh, 2.28 is when he was in there hearing his arraignment. So here's the question that I have. If he's being charged with falsifying business records, are there a lot of people that can be charged with that? For example, Hillary Clinton. For example, the 51 people from the Intel community who signed that letter about Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, have we just not opened the door for district attorneys all over the country to start putting cases on the Bidens now? Well, look, falsifying business records is anybody who has ever owned a business, small business, large business, whatever, knows that trying to interpret the tax code, you think the personal tax code is bad. Good luck with the business tax code. (laughs) Casey, I've owned a small business for, what would it be, 16, 17 years now. I have no freaking idea how it works. You know what I do? I keep really good records, and then January 1 each year, I hand those really good records... Over to somebody who does know. Off to a highly paid professional and go, you tell me when to sign, and you tell me whether I got money back or I owe. Donald Rumsfeld famously, he was a a military guy, of course, under bureaucrat slash military guy under uh, Bush. And he famously, years ago, submitted a tax return, and he wrote a note with the tax return and said the crux of it was i have absolutely no idea if this is right or wrong i've done this to the best of my ability and please have mercy on me Mm -hmm. yeah because the tax code even for individuals is incredibly difficult to understand and totally open to interpretation a business owner if you've never done a business return is a million times harder than a personal tax return is this personal is it business can it be written off where do i put it You do it, and then you let, unless it's some egregious thing, the Internal Revenue Service, and those guys get a bad rap a lot lot of the time, but most of the time, unless there's some egregious thing with, and the key being here, intent to deceive or defraud, they let it go. Because we're a country of 330 million people, and there are infinite business returns. Many people own more than one business. But unless there is either blatant abuse of the system with intent to defraud or deceive, or you're somehow blatantly screwing the Internal Revenue Service, the U.S. Treasury, out of money, they're like, whatever, go on. There is none of that here. There is no victim. There was no intent to deceive. There was no malicious intent. No one was defrauded out of monies. There's nothing There's none of that here. It is such an egregious abuse of power by Alvin Bragg. Yeah, so all of these charges relate to 
payments and how they were categorized. And Bragg is saying that Trump had the intent. How do you prove someone's intent? He he didn't he didn't give Stormy Daniels money to come over. He gave her money to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So here was a little bit of Trump yesterday. And he's right. This was the close of his speech that he gave at at Mar-a-Lago. He said the left wants to interfere in elections by using law enforcement. Incredibly, we are now a failing nation. We are a nation in decline. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. We can't let that happen. With all of this being said, and with a very dark cloud over our beloved country, I have no doubt, nevertheless, that we will make America great again. Thank you very much. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much, everybody. All right. So another point I wanted to another clip I wanted to make sure we got to is because he talked a lot about not just about Alvin Bragg, but about Letitia James, the attorney general of New York. And he's right when he says this. And this should scare the hell out of everyone. Um, This woman who is has absolute power. I mean, you know, ability to file things, whatever, is trying to ruin his life and has been. She ran on it. And she's got a civil case pending against him, and she has been a big, obviously, out in the media, basically egging this attorney, this attorney, uh, district attorney Alvin Bragg, on to file these charges. And Trump said uh, he has no intention of settling that civil case. And then he uh, ripped on Bragg uh, for a little bit more. This is a persecution, not an investigation. She's put our family through hell. It's cost hundreds of millions of dollars to defend. But our heads are held very, very high. They want to settle the case, but I want no part of that. So here we are now. It's where we were today, in a city that was so great just four or five years ago. But now we're there. Spend time there today, as you possibly read. With a local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history on a basis that every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case. There's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. So they're trying to make it a case, though. And you've got the statute of limitations, which has passed on some of this stuff, which is why they're trying to connect the dots to make it a federal violation. But the federal government has already said there is no case here. Right. So there's not state slash federal laws. There's state laws. There's federal laws. There's not a a federal law. And that's what this Alvin Bragg is trying to do. He's trying to like cross this bridge into this new territory. It's like he's he's trying to create something, invent something. Here is what it should come down to. It should come down to did you did you know did you knowingly attempt to defraud or deceive 
someone? Did you knowingly intend to commit a crime of some sort? Was there an ill intention? No. Like, do you know I'm doing this and I know the law is this and I'm and look, I get that ignorance of the law is not an excuse for not following the law. But we are talking about a book, an alleged, it's not even confirmed, an alleged bookkeeping issue here. You want to talk about bookkeeping issues? Let's get into the Biden's bookkeeping. Yeah, no kidding. You're absolutely right. All right, Casey, let's take a break. Okay. When we come back, we're going to have two guests. Next yeah. two segments, we're going to have two great guests. Abdul's going to join us. He's going to uh, fill us in on the latest with the mayor's race. Yeah. And then uh, coming up at 1030, Democrat Representative Ed Delaney's going to be with us. He is weighing in on these property taxes, and the Republicans are still totally silent. The Democrats are our heroes on taxes, Casey. (laughs) What the hell's going on in this state? (laughs) We've got both of them coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's here, and the primary season is heating up. One of the big items on the ticket this year is the race to decide who will be the next mayor of Indianapolis. And oh, look who it is! (laughs) One and only Abdul Hakim Shabazz. How are you, my friend? Ah, good. Always good to be back. Now, full disclosure, I do support you. I uh, have given money to your campaign, but we have to be some semblance of fair on this interview. Uh, you're two months into this race. It's kind of the first time you've you've been on the other side of the coin, right? You've always been the guy asking the questions. You've got, always been the guy digging for the dirt and the information. What's it like being the candidate? It's it's. It's the same, but it's also different. <laughs> what a great answer! Very lawyer. A t- t- of you. Typical lawyer answer. Because you got to remember, I've been uh, either covering, writing, or involved in politics since since college, so like for more than thirty years now. So I've either written about politics, or worked as a political operative, or worked as a spokesperson um, for an elected official. So I always kind of knew sort of what what to do. But now it's, uh, that's why I say it's the same. But it's also now it's like different because now you're the candidate, so you have to. Execute? Yeah, execute everything. And, and you can't call somebody a dumbass because now you're the dumbass. Oh. <laughs> sure. What was it that made you throw your hat in the ring? Um, getting my wife's consent. I won't, I won't say blessing. I got her, I got her permission to, mm-hmm. to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, why did you want to run? What, yeah. did, what made you say, I want to I do this? It was a George, it was, like I said, it started with the George Floyd riots a couple years ago. Is just what it, what happened to downtown Indianapolis. And then just over time, it's like, no, this city's kind of just sort of drifting, not really getting anything done and i've been like i've said, been thinking about running for public office since i was like 21 years old uh now it's like hey you know what now let's give it a shot and see what happens you know somebody told me years ago when i was pondering a run for state senate and i had an opportunity to go back into radio you can be a, a po- politician they said you can be a politician or you can be a pundit you can't be a politician and a pundit i like talking about other people a lot more than i like being talked about where are you at on this you're two months in um, like I said, I like I like doing both. That's why I still, you can't do both, though. I can do whatever I want. 
That's just kind of rule number one. <laughs> and the only only two women can tell me what to do. One is my wife. One is my campaign manager. That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, I can pretty much do whatever whatever I want to do. Uh, Abdul uh, Abdul is with us. Let's let's talk about your campaign. Yeah. You're running against a guy in the Republican primary in Jefferson Shreve, who kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think a lot of people even knew he was planning on running, and he has what we like to call infinite money. He Indy started a big expose that he's spending six hundred thousand dollars, maybe even more than that by now. What's it like to run against a guy that's spending that kind of money? Well, when Jefferson got in the race, me and my team, we got together. It's like, okay, does this change anything? We're like, well, technically, no. I mean, yes, you can infinitely fund, but number one, we've got name ID because people, a lot of people, a lot of people, particularly those people who vote in Republican primaries, know know who we are. A lot of folks don't necessarily know Jefferson, even though he's very wealthy from the sale of public storage. His issue is he was on the council twice. For two years he replaced Jeff Cardwell. Two years he replaced uh, Jeff Miller. Uh, but he was appointed both times, so he didn't have to really run an election oh, yeah. race to build up his name ID. So, so yes, he's got, uh, like I said, spending $600,000, but we're at a much more targeted campaign. Because you got to remember, in 2019 and 2015, only 18,000 Republicans actually came out and voted in the Republican primary. How many? 18,000. That's not very many. You no, know, in, e- in each primary. Not, not 18,000 total, just 18,000 in each yeah. primary. So our goal is to go for those Republican voters who vote in municipal primaries, because those are the people we know are going to show up. Abdul is with us talking about the Indy Mayor's race. Early voting's begun, by the way. Yes, we were out there yesterday doing some uh, videotaping. Oh, what, what's the, have you, um, are you hanging outside the polling places? Are you, uh... Yeah, I went and put the signs out uh, Monday, and me and uh, my digital guy, Chris Spangle, who you know Oh, very, very I know well. Spangle. You're really scraping the bottom of the barrel there. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Hey, he works, he works, he, his price was right. Um, <laughs> you know, you're the nicest I've seen Spangle to be, be to a Republican in, uh, oh, I don't know, ever. Well, if you ask John Couch, I'm not really a Republican, so there, there you well, go. Well, so let's talk about that. So there's a lot of people who will say, well, Abdul is too liberal. He's just a very liberal uh, Republican, if he's even a Republican. And I maintain the, the the social issue stuff, which a lot of people get sideways with you on, it doesn't matter in the mayor's race because the only issue that really matters right now, I mean, the number one issue, there are other issues, but it, it's crime. I think you got to vote on who's going to be the best person to fix Indianapolis from a crime perspective. I got, like I told our staff, our, our motto was this, public safety, public works, and public trust. And unless it's got something to do with those three things, and maybe like maybe maybe two degrees of Kevin Bacon separated from it, we're not talking about it. Because, number one, it's people want, people want a good quality of life. They want good roads, good schools, and be left alone, in a nutshell. Everything else, you do those things, those things, those things also got to take care of themselves. And also, by the way, here's, here's a big thing to take a lot of these social issues, a healthy economy. When people have jobs, don't have time to get silly and do stupid things. Abdul's with us uh, talking about the mayor's race. Of course, early voting has begun here in the city of Indianapolis, across the state of Indiana. So what is your plan on crime? What do you want to do to fix? I mean, I don't think any reasonable person would argue that crime is is out of control. I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah. ridiculous. The, yeah, the two big issues in Indianapolis are roads and crime. just basically depends on where you live. It, it really does. Uh for crime, I do a number of things. Number one, bring back the public safety director. Because I think when, when Joe Hogsett got rid of the public safety director's position, that was ridiculous. Because it's like going to war without a secretary of defense. Imagine the president trying to run the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard with no secretary of defense. He's somebody who eats, sleeps, and drinks public safety 24-7. Why did he do that? Uh, he said he wanted to get rid of bureaucracy and inefficiency. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so, so there's that. Uh, number two uh, is... Get together with the prosecutor, the public, the public defender, and the chief judge of Marion County. Like, hey guys, we got to do something about this bail system because these people getting out 
Because how many times have we picked up a story, picked up and read a story about somebody who committed a crime and they were out on bail for another crime mm-hmm. and committed a violent crime? Mm-hmm. I'd say there's a difference between people we're mad at versus people we're afraid of. The people we're mad at, we need to look at some alternative form of sentencing. The people we're afraid of, we need to put them away. In, uh, to quote Mike Pence, uh, Indianapolis should be the, the worst place to commit a crime, but the best place to get a second chance. Just not a third, fourth, or fifth chance because you've been out on bail in the revolving door at the jail. Yeah. So you had mentioned crime and roads, and most people have to deal with one or the other. Well, where I live, in Indianapolis, I deal with both. (laughs) I like to play a little game on the weekends called Firework or Gunshot. Normally, I think it's a gunshot. But let's talk about the roads. Um, As a motorcycle rider, it can be dangerous sometimes. Well, even as a car driver, um, it's wear and tear on my vehicle. But as a motorcycle rider, it becomes downright dangerous with all the enormous potholes. What's your plan with that? It's like I jokingly said the other day, I was driving down the street, I was kind of swerving in the road, and a cop pulled me over because he thought I was drunk. I was like, no, Ryan, I was just avoiding potholes. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, go ahead, great, good day, citizen, go on, go on about your business. Um, number number one is, A, go to the state and uh, see if we can work out the road funding formula, because that, that's something that lawmakers are going to uh, start doing again. Number two, it is take a penny from the sales tax on gasoline, or the gas tax, and dedicate a sort of like a one-mile radius, uh, sort of like a road TIF district. Uh, to use that to fix roads, sidewalks, street repairs in those particular areas, in those particular neighborhoods. So you don't want a tax increase. You want to just allocate the tax revenue. Because some people are saying, well, Abdul wants a tax increase. That's that's not a tax increase. No. I say, but now, how we get there, we can have the debate, the discussion, either the legislature can do it, either we have a referendum. We, we can we can figure that out. But something has to be done to to take care of the roads in this community, and also sidewalks and street repair. And I figure by taking that, that one cent from every gas tax, or, or a dollar from every gas tax, I look at it like this. Would you rather pay 16 cents to have good roads or $206 to fix your axle again? Abdul is our guest. We're talking about the mayor's race. By the way, we have extended the invitation to Jefferson Shreve. I did that again yesterday, Casey, just to Mm -hmm. make sure we're all on the same page, that uh, we'd love to have him on as well. Uh, Okay, so the big thing people are going to say is, I got to pick someone that's going to beat Hogsex. I think we can all agree, whether it's you, whether it's Shreve, whether it's the the past, the other, uh, Jackson, right? Right? That's his yeah, name. Jackson, um, Jackson. Or even Robin Shackelford in the primary. We got to get rid of Hogsett. What's your plan to take on Hogsett in the fall? How do you compete with the guy who starts with $3 million? Well, I, re- I remind folks uh, that money is not necessarily outcome determinative because if it was just a matter of money and resources, then America would not have beat the British back in 17, 1780. And the Vietnamese wouldn't Only have Only you us. would compare yourself to the American Revolutionary War heroes. Or would you prefer Vietnam? <laughs> or would you prefer the Mujahideen rebels in, in Afghanistan? Well, there you the, go. The, the little army, if you, if you try to fight on the other guy's terms, you're going to lose. Because you can't compete with Joe with dollars and cents. Just can't do that. So we have to run a more targeted, more focused campaign, reach out to get Republicans to turn out, and also get thoughtful Democrats and independents to come out and vote too. Because uh, when we polled back in December, only 42% of Democrats said they vote for Joe in a primary. And only a third thought Joe should get a third term. So, because third terms are always tricky to, to deal with in the first place. So, we're appealing to moderate Democrats and independent voters, and, and, and like I said, and, and getting Republicans to turn out. We think we can win this thing. Do you like going to the events? Do you like giving the speeches, the forums, all Me those things? up and things? talking in front of people? Well, I, you know, I just want to be fair and answer that. Maybe you changed your mind. Nope. Still like it. All right, before we let you go, let's... Abdulforindy.com, by the well, way. Well, I was going to give you a chance to do that. Now you've just run right through that. Before before we let you go, I mean... By the way, I miss you on State House Happening. Well, I know. You've been banned from everything while you're running for mayor. It, it's Here's what's interesting about State House Happenings. 
Merritt was my original co-host on that. He got banned because he ran for mayor. You replaced him. Now you're banned because you're running for mayor. Mm-hmm. And now Merritt is back on State House Avenue. <laughs> yep. Go, it's, it's, it's going the long way around the barn, as the old phrase goes. Real quick, before I let you go, um, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. You are black. Yes. And, Last time uh, I checked. <laughs> I think it would be interesting to have a, a, a black mayor in this city where there's a large black population. I think you might be able to make some inroads in some areas that other people have not been able to. Um, that thought has crossed my mind. I mean, it's not a priority. I mean, I would not vote any, just like I wouldn't want anybody to vote for me, vote against me because I'm African American. I wouldn't want, want anybody to vote for me because I'm African American. Get to know me first. And then you realize there's a whole lot more substantive reasons to hate my guts than I breathe your air. Well, so. Will we be watching Blazing Saddles at the mayor's office? <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Abdul, how's the new puppy going? Uh, new puppy is going well. Okay. Uh, my wife treats the puppy like a baby. Yeah, of course. She's like, honey, watch him. Don't step on him. Don't put him in there. Like, oh, sweetie, it's a dog. Yeah. Calm down. Um, it's okay. If if things don't work out in your favor in the primary, are you going to be okay with it? Will you endorse another candidate? Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, if, I, if I lose the primary, I'll just go back to doing what I did. I'll go back to all my other four jobs mm-hmm. beforehand. And right. It'll be back, back to being on State House Happenings. Yeah, go back to doing Indiana <laughs> Issues in the morning, on Thursday mornings now. <laughs> all Abdul's run for mayor has done, Casey's created more work for me. Uh, all right. Uh, what's the website again? Abdulforindy.com. And by the way, voting for Abdul, we can make history in Indianapolis by voting for the first mayor to actually have a Superman tattoo. There you go. All right, Abdul, keep your smiles. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Show on Rob Casey's here. And I don't know, Casey, if you've been paying attention, property taxes are kind of a big deal right now. <laughs> yes, a lot of people are getting their bills in the mail, and a lot of people are shocked at how high they are. And that is so weird, as we've said many times, because the Republicans profess to be the party of, well, low taxes. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems, in many cases, property taxes being one of them, the taxes keep going up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. We've been having this conversation for a year. Yeah. Isn't that wild to think we've been talking about this for an entire year and the Republicans won't do anything? Yeah. But you know who will? You know who is willing to talk about this? And this is so great. The Democrats. Yes. We had uh, Cherish Pryor on, Representative Cherish Pryor, uh, two weeks ago. And now we are joined by Representative Ed Delaney. He represents part of Indianapolis. And he had uh, a big press availability, big press conference the other day talking about property taxes. Ed, how's it going? I think it's going fine. It's always good to talk about something the public's interested in. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this. So tell us first of all, you had a big event down at the, the state house the other day, kind of trying to inform people about what are what's going on with property taxes. Tell us about it. Well the issue's simple. People are aware now of property taxes because they're getting the bills, whether electronically or in paper, they're getting the bills and they have to either pay in thirty days or they have to start increasing their escrow if they have a mortgage. So people are very sensitive. I thought we ought to address the issue. I don't think the majority party is interested in talking about it in depth because it would require some real changes in their attitude uh, to reduce the property tax pressure on our people and on our local governments. They're, they're, 
they're cramped by it. They're not happy with it. Uh, of course, they want more, and the people want to pay less. Uh, to me, that's a very interesting political conversation. Why are the Republicans, this is what Casey and I talk about all the time, why are the Republicans, because not only do they not address it, they say mean things about me and Casey for having the audacity, I guess it would be Casey and me. I, you want right. to use correct grammar? It's mostly you. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Casey's the nice one here, Ed, if you haven't caught on. Uh, but they, they, they are very angry that it's even being talked about, and they're the party that's supposed to be about low taxes. You're in the state house every day. Why are they so afraid to talk about property taxes? They're not the party of low taxes. They're the party that gets credit for lowering ah, taxes. It's that's a branding a, that's issue. That's a big distinction. And they've played, I've been there 15 years, God forbid, and the game <laughs> they play is a tiny cut in personal income taxes, ballyhoo that, make a lot of noise about it, and say we're the anti-tax party. Meanwhile, the property tax problem creeps up, creeps up, creeps up. The, the way I like to compare it, they're the party that puts a dollar in my left pocket while taking a 10 spot out of my right pocket. Oh, Ed, that's so good, because we talked about this even years ago when they did the, the, the property tax caps. Yeah, okay, they capped the property tax, but they raised the sales tax. I think that's the best description, that they're always raising other taxes, even when they're supposedly cutting other taxes. Some of them are very impactful. The, the property tax, if I'm a person who saved 50 or $100 over the last few years on our slightly lower state income tax, but I then get a bill for $500 extra on my property tax, the average Joe was smart enough to figure out that this didn't work out for them. Okay, But meanwhile, there we've had years of propaganda about tax cutting. The only people who really got a big tax cut were the corporates who went yeah. from roughly 75 or 8% income tax down to 48 or something like that. So they got a real tax cut. The other ones, if you had a family with wealth and the inheritance tax was eliminated, you made out on that. Uh, but for the average uh, Joe or Jane, uh, what we've done is very moderate. And meanwhile, government has grown for good or for ill. I can make both sides of that argument. I'm a politician. <laughs> I, I want I want government to grow where it's useful. I want to find savings where it's possible. Our current structure does not allow us to focus on savings uh, at all. Uh, even though that's talked about. Uh, Ed Delaney's our guest, State Representative Ed Delaney, Democrat, represents part of Indianapolis. We're talking about property taxes. So Casey and I maintain that it's the property tax system, you can't really reform it under the current system because you're you're taxing people based on what someone else does. And it's the only part of uh, taxation where we do that. Some other guy sells his house. I've been in the same house for 35 years. I don't monetize something. I get taxed. Is that a fair assessment that you can't really fix? we got to kind of change the whole system. You're on to a critical point. Uh, I'm sitting in my house. The neighborhood goes up. I haven't done anything. I've aged. My income has dropped because I'm in retirement. And all of a sudden, I'm told that my house is worth twice as much, so I have to pay a lot more in property taxes. So people are sitting there, and it's happening. On the income side, theoretically, income tax side, I can work a few more hours, or I can delay my retirement. I can do things to adjust with it. Uh, It's very hard to adjust to the fact that the house value went up. Of course, we're all cynical. We all want our house to be very highly valued on the day we sell it. But until that day, mm-hmm. we, we don't want to hear about it. Uh, you know, people like, um, and, and you've seen this predominantly from maybe more libertarian camps, and O'Donnell Rainwater has said, hey, why don't we do it at a point of sale? That way you're not paying the increase until you actually monetize the thing like a stock would. What do you want to see done with property taxes? Well, I, I, that's a radical idea you're talking about. And I mean radical in the sense that it's a core idea. It's done in some states that you really don't get hit with the 
increase until you sell. That would be a very dramatic change here. I, I can't even begin to conceive of the ramifications of that. What I want to do is to take the pressure off the property tax by increasing state support for schools. Remember, the deal was, when we did all the so-called property tax reform, the deal was the state would take a much bigger role in paying for schools, and in return, we'd cap property taxes at 1% of your gross so, value and so on. Let, let, that was real, the deal, but it hasn't worked out at this point. Real quick, yeah, let me remind everybody. So when they capped the property taxes, they raised the sales tax, and that was supposed to go to teachers, right? It was supposed to go heavily to support education. And it did, but it went to many, many other purposes, too. Okay. okay. So, but yeah, that was part of it. But we didn't go far enough. And meanwhile, the world changes. House prices go up. Uh, property taxes go up. And we haven't figured out how to get the balance right. So, meanwhile, all the other local units are competing for the money. You look at the streets in my city. I love my city, but I hate my streets. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is the money has to, the property tax money has to go to police. It has to go to fire. It has to go to libraries. It has to go to maintaining the local government, the courts. It goes on and on. And to the extent the money goes to schools, it can't go to those other purposes. So, my idea is, and at least for the next cycle of property tax change. We reduce the reliance on property tax for our schools and doing two things as a result, freeing up a little more money for the other units of government like cities, towns, police, fire, and reducing the property taxes. You got to probably do both. The public won't be happy if we just shift where the money goes, if their property tax stays the same and we just move it to a different governmental pocket. I don't think I would be satisfying my voters. So I think you got to try to do two things. So you're talking about just reallocating where the funds go? Reallocating while lowering. If you just reallocate, the public won't won't understand what benefit they've had. There's no point in providing something for the public where either there isn't a benefit or the benefit isn't seen. Okay, so I think we need to give them a benefit. So I do think we need to reduce uh, the property tax. We got to find a way to do that. It's in incredibly complex when we have literally thousands of units of government in this state. I mean, everybody thinks Indiana is this conservative state. But, you know, we have a 1,000 townships. Just take them. Yeah. 115 or 20 cities, <laughs> uh, 92 counties. Nobody would have designed this system. Yeah. Each of which has somebody trying to get their nose in the trough mm -hmm. and trying to keep their money. Yeah, that's, Ed Delaney's our guest, state representative of Indianapolis. He's a Democrat. We're talking about property tax property tax reform. Um, so any chance you can get traction on this? Because the Republicans, and they've got this Thompson plan, which is a total joke. It doesn't fix anything. It might give you a hundred or a couple hundred dollars one time, which doesn't, for many people even begin to offset the increases they've seen any chance you can get any traction on even having this conversation cherish Pryor had some interesting ideas i mean the whole system stinks and it's like the republicans don't even want to admit yeah we've got a highly flawed system there's two components cherish Pryor's view and i share it is that we need to look at the people who are most victimized by the property tax system and help them the limit in that is that it basically maintains the system while putting a Band-Aid, a well-needed and well-deserved Band-Aid on some people. That's the problem. You, you, I think you have to go broader. Now, by the way, buried in uh, Representative Thompson's uh, tax proposal is a radical idea that has not been noticed, or if it's been noticed, it's being ignored. Uh, he says we should support uh, 
local property taxes in school districts that don't generate much property tax revenue. So Wayne Township on the west side of this place, of this county, uh, has a lot of students and very low property values. So the state would send tax money, state tax money, sales and income money, in to supplement it. The core of that idea is that the state starts putting more cash into the schools. That would lower the pressure on property taxes. I don't think his proposal goes to the next step, which is to say let's lower the property taxes overall. But you have no idea what's going on in the state house. Oh, all no, those we... governments that I talked about, <laughs> all those governments that I talked about, are there asking me for more money, and sometimes with good reason. Take a good example: in the rural areas, we're losing volunteer firefighters. Society has changed. Those areas are often growing, and sometimes they're shrinking. But either way, volunteering is not working like it used to. So Ed, they need money for that. Where is it coming from? Ed, before we let you go, because I want to talk about this, and Casey and I have talked about this quite a bit, the Republicans need to start losing elections in this state. The only way we're going to fix this and get these guys to the table to start working for people is if they start fearing the people again, and they don't. You worked under Evan Bayh. You worked at a time where Democrats were very successful in this state. What has happened to the Democrat Party? Why do people keep so blindly voting Republican, and how do we make the Democrats competitive again? Well, I think two things happened. First, the one that's really the most difficult to deal with is gerrymandering. I mean, the computers got better, and the Republicans are willing to pay for the computers and figure out how to line up the districts. So they have, oh, on a good day, 56 or 57 percent of the vote. They get 70 percent of the seats. I don't know how I fix that. The U.S. Supreme Court walked away from it. Uh, so I don't know how I can fix that. The second thing is we, we need to assert our role as the honest opposition. And on this one, I think we've got one that we can talk about. property yeah. tax. I think we're with the people on the property taxes. I think we are always much more conservative. Indiana Democrats are much more conservative than the national image. And that's a big part mm-hmm. of our problem. We get tired with everything. I don't know who the hell AOC is. <laughs> But I am responsible for every thought she had, plus thoughts that are put into her head. Mm-hmm. Okay, you feel like you're getting thrown in some of the social issues, and that's a detriment to absolutely. The, the social Democrats. issues have always been our problem, uh, going back along. Abortion was the, and gun rights, but the gun rights used to be that we weren't quite as nice to the hunters. You know, and we had a problem with that. But now we're we're not nice at all to the people who have the AR-15s. We're just not, and we get punished. But that's their problem. That's the hardcore of their party. They're suffering from the hardcore of their party. Our job is to point out what the consequences of that suffering is, and we see it: the attack on the schools, the attack on the libraries. Our biggest problem, the one thing I would beg my Republicans to do, my Republican friends, would you please just openly say you hate public schools? Could you just say it? They don't ever say that. They're very smart. They talk about choice. They talk about how these vouchers are great. They talk about charters. They never openly say what they're doing, which is taking money away from public education, taking attention away, accusing them all being perverts who want to put bad books in the library. They do all that, but they never pay the price for their underlying theory, which is they don't like public schools. So it's a debate issue. And we've had more fun with you in the past 13 minutes than we've had with the Republican Party. The entire, basically, the entire six years have been on this radio station. So, and this is what Casey and I always say, right? We're gonna have areas where we disagree, but you're here Mm -hmm. answering the questions. They will not come on this radio show, and by and large, they won't answer. The questions, most of them. This is a sad, it sad is. point. For it's me. terrible. Hey, we appreciate you being debate. here. They don't debate us in the House. You should see someday. They, hey. 
They put up one person to say, good bill, pass it. Ed, we'd, yeah. we'd love to have you back. Let's talk about some more of this, and we appreciate you being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it very much, and I think uh, Casey was more reasonable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm the nice one. <laughs> Casey, take us to break. <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ten fifty. it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio. Good morning. This song was kind of ahead of its time. Looks like a woman, but talks like a man. Lola mm-hmm. feels yeah. like somebody should get an endorsement with Bud Light out of that song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you couldn't do this song today. You'd be labeled uh, transphobic. Oh, you could do this song today, and it probably be the no- they would force it to be the number one on all the <laughs> Billboard charts, whether you like it or not. Right. Whether you want to hear it or not, mm-hmm. it will be played yes. on every radio station yes. in America every one and a half hours. It is Jason Hammer Day here at the radio station because it's Weather Day, and most people, I think, probably by now are aware, but for those who are not, you desperately wanted to be a weatherman. I wanted to be Marcus Bailey of Wish TV. I wanted to be the forecaster. Bald and beautiful. Right. (laughs) Ultimately, the dream was to be Jim Cantori, that lunatic on the Weather Channel, because I think I could rock some hurricane coverage. That's the one thing on my radio bucket list that I have never done. I've never covered a hurricane. I want to be the guy down there on the beach, kill Devil Hills, hanging onto a palm tree, <laughs> sand blowing in my face, hell breaking loose, because that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Uh, Stephanie Mead leaving Wish TV. There's an opening over there. Maybe right. you could, That's right. could slide right on in. And a lot of people don't know this because I am a weekend personality over at Wish TV. I did yes. the gambling programs. And there was a little intranet email that went out. Turns out the reason Stephanie Mead is leaving, she's tired of being creeped out by Tony Katz. <laughs> Those were her exact words. Every morning, I get creeped out by Tony Katz. I would rather spend my life in Michigan, (laughs) in Detroit, Mm -hmm. than have to sit through another awkward encounter with Tony Katz. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to miss those very, very awkward encounters between Tony Katz and Stephanie Mead. I just... um... My favorite was when he asked her if she'd watched WrestleMania, and (laughs) there was like an awkward like pause... No. <laughs> Dynamite drop in there, Monty. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about Detroit is that, well, the crime's high, but uh, the people are also not nice. So hopefully she'll. I will say this. <laughs> best about of luck to her. People of Detroit, though. We had a story about the people of Detroit last week, and this actually gives me hope for humanity. There was some scumbag guy that was on the run because he had raped an 80 year old woman. And the townspeople were like, you know what? This sucks. They haven't caught this guy. So they did some good old-fashioned vigilante justice. They started going door-to-door, neighborhood-to-neighborhood, looking for this guy. And as of yesterday, an arrest has been made. That's how they caught the Night Stalker. Remember Richard Ramirez? The people in the street tracked him down to almost beat him to death with the baseball bats yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm really disappointed she's leaving because it had long been my goal that I thought Stephanie Mead and Kevin would go well together. You know what, though? I did a little research on this. Oh. She's married, so... What? I don't think that's a really good move for Kevin. Well, sorry, Kev. <laughs> there goes a year down the train. I didn't know she was married. <laughs> and she's on the radio with you. <laughs> she might be on this afternoon. I don't know, because we've got some severe weather we're keeping an eye on this afternoon. It's supposed to come through Central Indy any time from like 2 to 3 o'clock. 
don't know how strong it's going to be. I don't believe it's going to be what we had last weekend, but still, that could be a big problem for afternoon drive, so we will be all over that. Uh, this is Kendall and Casey show. Hammers here. Uh, what did you think yesterday about Trump's speech? Man, I got to be honest. It felt like up there on the stage was Jeb Bush in a Halloween costume because I thought it was low energy. Did you? Low energy, Jeb. Uh, I thought it was very tame, considering the judge said, there's no gag order, just don't incite any violence. Yeah. That's all I'm asking here. Yeah. And you know, Nigel and I were laughing yesterday, you know when the judge said that in the courtroom, like was staring right at Trump. Now, I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> but we don't want anybody inciting any violence around here. <laughs> Trump's got his hands out. What? What? Um, you looking at me? You're looking Man, at- I thought last night was really tame, and he looked like for the first time in this whole situation, a guy who had had a very long trying day. Yeah, he had had a long day. And Rob and I were talking about that. Can you imagine being one of the crew members on his plane, his Boeing 757, when he comes back on the plane to fly back to Florida? Huh? <laughs> what, what, what can I get you? How can I make you happy? The scene in Animal House where like Flounder goes up to the guys in the fraternity. You guys playing cards? <laughs> that was the flight crew on the Trump plane as he was flying back to uh, Mar-a-Lago yesterday. Yeah. I picture Trump walking around with people on the plane. Be sure to help yourself to cookies and punch. <laughs> <laughs> like in my mind, he gets on Trump. They're getting ready to taxi out. You know, he unbuttons the tie. He's got the shirt down two buttons. He's got his emergencies bag of McDonald's sitting right there. He's pounding a Diet Coke. He's shaking his head. What the hell's going on? Yeah. Hey, that's a fair question because what the hell is going on? I needed to thank you real quick. You got me uh, some early lunch today. Your friends over at Noble Romans delivered. Yeah. So we had an on-air conversation about how the Noble Romans monster doesn't get the credit it deserves for being <laughs> Freaking frightening. Big, massive teeth. Yeah. Big, blue, scary-ass monster. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Noble Romans over at Chapel Hill on the west side off 10th Street, mm-hmm. still open. They got the salad bar and everything. Yeah. They said, hey. That's my Noble Romans. Thanks for the shout-outs. We're going to bring you guys some pizza. So uh, Allison got with them. And, uh, man, they brought some awesome stuff yesterday. They bring some breadsticks because they, hands down, have the best breadsticks of anybody. They brought the breadsticks. They brought a vast array of of dipping items nice. for said breadsticks, different types of pizzas. There was thick crust. There was thin. I mean, it was amazing. Yesterday. You know me. I'm I'm poor, so I'm never afraid <laughs> to uh, pilfer a free meal of some sort. That needs to be on a shirt. You know me. I'm, I'm poor. poor. <laughs> Sincerely, Indiana taxpayer. Hey, the master starts tomorrow. Adrian Moronk, 350 to 1, baby. Let's go. What's coming up this afternoon? Casey's going to come by and we'll do the side piece. we got Tony Kennett today. Uh, we will speak to the D.C. Bureau Chief at Breitbart and keep an eye on the weather. Thanks, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.